You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui Venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light. Go farther, stay longer. Hey, everybody, uh, you're joining us from the banks of the Niobrara River, <laughs> right? That's right. Near its confluence with the aptly named Deer Creek. Yes. Deer mm-hmm. Creek. It does flow into it. Not far from a bridge where none other than... Buffalo Bill Cody, maybe. Buffalo Bill Cody was probably photographed. Yes. Is he the same as That's Wild true. Bill? No. No. That's Hickok, right? Wild Bill Hickok. What was Wild Bill Hickok holding when he died, Dirk? Mm. Dead man's hand. Yep. Yeah, but what was it? Aces and eights. And what was the fifth card? I do not know that one. Some historians argue he had a seven of hearts or something like that. Not a cool card. <laughs> hmm. I thought it was a full house. The interesting thing about the Niobrara <laughs> River where we're sitting right now is if we looked out the window and saw one, it'd be on the wrong side of the river for us. It'd a white be on tail. the wrong side, yeah. It'd have to run through the yard to be on the It'd right have side. to jump that river and it'd be in our hunt zone. Yep. And we're actively hunting right now. We're mm-hmm. taking a break. We are. We're going to keep this tight. Last evening. So we got unfinished business. Mm-hmm. The last evening of our hunt. Mm-hmm. Clay got a deer First a little too evening. quick. A little too quick. He feels about bad that. about it. He's got survivor's guilt. <laughs> I really do. He's got like a version of survivor's guilt. And yeah. he's writing a song called... Should have been me. <laughs> why isn't it that... It, why would it be that... Um, I feel like the song should be... It should have been Steve. Well, what, I mean... What should have been you? I'm, 
Well, it's actually favorable to you because as we're, so the way this farm sets up, Steve has been off hunting and because I've filled my buck tag and we can come back to that. And we have been like a mile and a half away on a hilltop watching you hunt and watching deer and watching what's going on. And just the phrase that comes out of my mouth to dirt is it should have been me down there on the battlefield. It should have been you. It should have been you. It should have been you up here taking it easy. Me and Dirt having the time of our life, just drinking coffee, writing songs, just living in the glory of a filled buck tag. Because, because this, but I feel like the buck was rightfully yours. Because on the first morning, Jordan took you to the honey hole, and she put me in, you know, honey hole number two. Okay. You feel that that's what happened? Yeah, Jordan. And uh, here's why I don't think here's, oh no. here's why I don't think that's what happened. Because she also goes and hunts that spot. Oh, I'm, I she's know. killed deer. It's not like she's like she. I feel it's like a toss up. Well, no, and she rightfully should have took you there. I mean, it's like there's always I know hunting. There's always the best <laughs> spot. Okay, and she took you to the best spot, and y'all saw a buck that morning. And then that afternoon, we had a guest come into the camp, and there was some decisions made, and you wanted to go for a walk. In the guest's best interest. Yeah, I know. And that's why it and should it caught, have been oh, me. Yeah, that's why you got survivor's guilt. Yeah, and so they <laughs> sent, so Jordan sent me back to where she was going to, where Steve was going to sit. Yep. And I mean, mm-hmm. like clockwork, this really nice 10-point buck came out, incredible hunt, deer came in, killed the deer. So I mean I I'm call I I call the buck Steve's buck. That's a good name for it. <laughs> Steve for short. And then Steve and then Steve's you know we've we've struggled the we just hadn't killed a deer yet so yeah. that's all. Joined also by Chester. Chester's here. Hello. Chester's learning uh he's learning a new song. Tell everybody what song you're gonna learn for me, Chester. It is tonight we ride. Yeah, and you're gonna put a uh, put put a uh, he's gonna put the who yip a song on on hold. Yep. That's a Tom Russell song. Oh. I was just telling Clay about Tom Russell. Oh, man, Bloody it's good. violent song. It's definitely violent. Dirt's here, and then Laura Moon, need... who's always on but never says a hell of a lot. Tonight we ride. He, <laughs> he sings, though. Tonight. He does sing much, but he sure can sing. Okay. Uh, There's a handful of things. Oh, Dirt, right off the bat. We've got to talk about WD-40. So listen, this is a great story. Get your thing out. Get your thing out. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, we're we're sitting there up at uh, my new mechanic, my new outboard motor mechanic in Ketchikan, Alaska. Tyler at Ketchikan Honda advised us to, when you're winterizing your motors, when you're winterizing your engines, to take the cowling off and hose everything in there with WD-40. Okay. Yep. So Dirt was doing a little winterizing, and I instructed him to do this. He came to me, and 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 I I tried to 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 please him with some trivia, in which I asked if he knows what the WD and WD forty stands for. And I didn't, but you you didn't, and I said what? Me. You said water displacement. Then 40. Dirt said. WD for he's dirt's like well I'll give you a little known fact <laughs> tip for tat he's like you th- you're not the only one who knows little known facts dirt says WD forty is not actually a lubricant just a water repellent it's just a water repellent to which I said that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard <laughs> and and as an example 
I said to Dirt, imagine you have a rusty hinge and you put it in a kiln for a decade. No moisture. So it's as dry and for rusty. nine years and 364 and a half days. It's been as dry as could possibly be dry. And you pull the hinge out and hose it down with WD. Dirt is saying that it won't make a difference. And it caused me some pause because that would work. So well, this is the thing I find useful, Dirt, uh-huh. is I like to think when I'm trying to think of something's right or wrong or whatever, I think of it in total extremes. Yeah. It's helpful. Yeah, no, that's good. Dirt then, it's on his mind. A few days goes by and he comes up to me to, <laughs> to prove his point. And he has a screenshot of an article he found online. Very gloatingly. I which says, and he's all of proud of it. He's all proud of it. <laughs> and it says, WD-40 is not a lubricant. In bold letters. And it, what he hadn't noticed, though, is he was on a site of myths. <laughs> and he hadn't noticed that the sentence he was pointing out to me was preceded by the word myth. Which, <laughs> yeah. Clay realized that since Dirt's name is Dirt Myth, Clay thought, I wrote Clay thinks that Dirt thought it was his own quote because <laughs> it says myth, colon, and Dirt's like, see here, right here is me saying it on the internet. <laughs> These smartphones, man, the way or, they... <laughs> or it was saying, um, hey, Dirt Myth, read this. Yeah, it was, He's it like, was, hey, Myth, this will like, interest you. It would have been like, Clay, and then it told me something really good. <laughs> so I just, yeah. It's confusing when your name is Dirt Myth. But the bottom, the... The fact of the matter is it is, just so folks don't get confused. It is lubricant. <laughs> oh, because they were at great risk of being confused and thinking that it was only a water repellent. It's also great for removing stickers. Oh. Really, hot tip. Oh, really, oh. really good. Hot oh, tip from Chester's desk? All like set, Chester? Yep. Like oh, yeah. glass you, or something? If you want to remove a sticker, use WD-40. On your car? On your windows? What about your computer? Right? Yep. Your computer? I... Why would I want to remove a sticker that not says that I love my dad? Not that one. <laughs> the buff. I mean, if you had someone take. If I need it, to get that buffalo you know, sticker off there. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to be responsible for like ruining people's computers, but you know I've used it on windows and glass, cars. Chester's on to his ninth nickname <laughs> in a month. It's all set, Chet. All set, Chet. All set, Chet. <laughs> all set, Chet. Uh, oh, here's the thing. Uh, so Thanksgiving's coming, and as we all know, Thanksgiving is only there for one purpose, to give us a Black Friday, right? So Black Friday, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and it's, not, it's become like a day where everybody likes to buy a bunch of stuff. So if you go on, now the very hot, high-selling FUDS calendar, if you go on to the meat eater store and make a purchase on Black Friday, we're going to give you the effed up old deer stands calendar for free. Oh, we got some good ones lately. One is a one that beavers cut down to cut mm-hmm. down the stand. And another one is a tree that got struck by lightning, and the lightning peels all the bark off down the tree and ends at the seat. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you'd have been a dead man. Hmm. And it kind of welded the stand up a little bit. I'm going to put that on Instagram. Hey, do you think the, the lightning used the stand as a conductor? I think conductor? it was something like that. I think it probably went the other way. But if you look at it, it looks like this like bolt. Because it like peeled the bark off, and it mm. sort of ends at the stand. So almost rather than being what it was, the stand got struck and then went up the tree. Oh, I see. it looks like it somehow like 
came down the tree and split the would-be hunter's head in half had wow. he been sitting there. Uh, so you get an up old deer stand's calendar, free. Um, and then also this, new rifle scopes. We got uh, 100 bucks off, Vortex Diamondback, 3 by 5 to 10 by 50 So the perfect all-purpose rifle scope. Got it for $199.99, 100 bucks off. Plus hats, T-shirts, hoodies, all 50% off. And then we're bundling our very rare meat crafter knife with some of our books. So go check that stuff out. Okay, Clay, ready for this thing out of Vermont? Yeah. See, people think that everyone in Vermont just sits around eating Ben and Jerry's all the time, but it's not. They fight. Mm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about this Vermont. I feel like I'm the only guy on the planet that didn't know about what's brewing in Vermont mm-hmm. between the hound hunters and the non-hound hunters. Right. Here, this is the funny part. Here, I know about this only because a listener of this show wrote in saying that we should take the the Goldshaw. What's the guy's thing? Shaw Gold, Goldshaw Farm. Come I on, don't know. Come on, Clay. Sorry, man. I told you like a week ago we we're gonna be talking about this Goldshaw Farm. Goldshaw. He wrote in being like, "Man, you should really have a solidarity with the Goldshaw Farm guy." Because it's making hunters look bad, and I was like, "Oh, what's this now? This guy's this guy is so out of line, crazy, so out of line." Yeah, there's a there's a what we're going to talk about here for a minute. We got a story that, that we had a story on a weeks like three weeks ago. Spencer had a someone do a story on it for at, at themediator.com. You can go read the story about this hound hunting scandal, bear hunting scandal. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a basic. This is the best I understand. I never even heard of this guy. God bless him. Uh. You can't see him. Has an extraordinary uh, sim- uh, similarity to Jay Leno. Like if Jay Leno had a kid, it'd he, be this guy. Apparently, he uh, kind of grew up a city slicker, working various jobs, and and then he's like, "I'm going to go to Vermont, have a farm." So, in the great tradition of people who give up the urban lifestyle to go have a farm, he starts a YouTube channel. Um, and makes video. Here's some of his videos. He's got a video called uh, Puppy versus Geese. He's got a video called My Farm Dog Shot This Video. He's got one called The Duckling Who Thought She Was a Goose. He's got a Livestock Guard Puppy Moves to Duck Farm. My Old Barn Cat Hates My Guard Dog. And I Risk My Life Feeding These Goslings. Uh, so he goes about his business. It's like his business. Like he makes, I, I think it'd be, in all fairness, you say he makes like cute, cute farm videos. Right. One day, a couple of local old timers show up at his door, knock on his door, and they say, Our bear hounds chased a bear onto your property. Is it okay? If we go onto your property, he says to retrieve their dog, get their dog. Well, he says, you're no way, no how going to hurt the bear, which is his right. Yep. Totally his right. Okay. And he says, I will escort you to get your dogs. At which point he decides, cause he's in the business of making these little videos. At this point, he decides to start filming this gentleman. Gets his name, publishes his name, and films the guy. So a guy comes up to the house, like 
Like imagine someone coming to your house to, to just have a, a, a conversation about a problem and your response is to start filming them as they go about their business. And is this a good place to, to say that the guy, what the guy's motives were and how I'm going to get into all that next. Yeah. It's a hard story to tell because it's got so many components. Right. Vermont has a law, which I don't I'm not even opposed to. It's, it's this called law. right to retrieve. They have a law that was well, beyond that. If land's not posted, it's open. Okay. A landowner has an obligation to post their land. Okay. This guy's land, this guy's duck farm, isn't properly posted. So the technically the hound hunter didn't need to come talk to him. He could have just gone and got his dogs. He could have gone and gotten his dogs without breaking a law because the land wasn't properly posted. But he doesn't want to do that because it's not gentlemanly. He's going to go like a grown-up and talk to the landowner. That guy's got good etiquette. Good, great chetiquette. <laughs> Deep down, it's a chetiquette story. So the duck guy is real bent out of shape about this. Because he points out, he's like, it would be too hard. I think he's got 160 acres. It'd be too hard to post my land properly. But I'm like, if if you're, make a YouTube video about it. If you're going to have a video like, me and my dog post my land. It's good marketing. Yeah. And then he'd have to be careful, though, because while he's posting the land with his dog, he needs to be very careful that his dog doesn't walk on the wrong side of a tree, mm. at which point he'd be guilty too of having his dog on someone else's property. But so. let's just trust that his dog has n- always had tremendous fidelity to this 160 acres. Never went off the 160 acres. He says, uh, the problem is dogs don't know when they're on private property. Ergo, that's Latin, therefore, ergo, you should not be able to hunt with hounds in the state of Vermont. And has now gotten hundreds of thousands of signatures on some petition to ban hound hunting in Vermont because he's so concerned that a dog would come on his land. An mm. icky dog mm. on his land. I mean, come on. It's wild. It, what, what's also so puzzling about it is this whole thing of like, oh, I moved to the country to be like a country person, but I sure hate what these country people are right. up to. Right. <sighs> you know, that's, that's the thing is that, and you've heard, you've heard the, the phrase that people left where they came from because they didn't like it and try to make it like where they came from when they moved mm-hmm. to where you are, you know. But th- what I was talking about, the right to retrieve, there are some states that yeah. have hound hunting laws that have a right to retrieve law because these are tree dogs. So a tree dog scent trails game until that animal runs up a tree. That could be a raccoon. That could be a bear. Other, and, and a right to retrieve means if your dogs are treed, you have the right to, you can't take a firearm, but you have the right to cross get lines and go back. get your dogs. And, you know, here, here's the thing. That is, yeah, that's a slight, could be slightly intrusive to some people's ideas of private property. But when you look at the broad macro picture of North American hunting and even human existence on planet Earth, 
people's connection to hunting dogs. I'm getting to the point where I'm saying that it is a it is a legitimate argument that it is almost a human right to express part of our humanity by hunting with dogs. I mean, there's arguments that sure. say put that on change.org. Me and Jordan today were talking about how come everything on change.org is annoying. You should put something like not annoying on change.org and make that like a thing that's on change.org. Well, so just the so here's all that I'm saying is that people should make a place in their world where it's okay for a houndsman to go get his dogs if your dogs get on your land. Yeah. Like in Arkansas, the old time farmers that have long history in our region in the Ozarks, they just kind of know that coon hunters might come on their land at different times during the winter. That's part of his thing that he's all been out of shape about. Yep. This is like the guy that came to his door to go get his dogs in his, on his property was the last straw. The first straw being a night, some raccoon guys had some dogs barking on his place and it got his dog to barking. And that is just unacceptable. When you're a real farmer, that is just, a bridge too far. The other thing, he's like, I, I, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not against hunting. Come on, I, I hope he comes on the show. This is the honest thing. I know someone will send this. He'll, someone will send this to him. I would love to have him on the show and tell me mm. where I'm getting this wrong. I mean, in a totally friendly way. Like, I won't be like a gotcha deal. It'll just be like, I'd be like, okay, tell me the story, just so I understand it better. Like, what is, like, what happened? Because he also gets into like, he's not opposed to hunting. He's not opposed to using bird dogs, but somehow he doesn't like hound hunting because the hounds have a tracking collar and you're not close to them. And so he, he, it kind of turns into like a fair chase thing for him as well. But I mean, aren't his, his ducks are in a pen. What are their odds of getting away? <laughs> do yeah. a lot of them get away? Yeah. You know, people, people <laughs> or do they wind up all people being use, dead? <laughs> people use the GPS thing as a way to talk about fair chase with hounds and and I think it's I think it's bunk because we use technology in every other part of our life and even in every other part of hunting to make the process safer, more efficient, easier in more some edu- ways. More educational, I'll point out, cuz you're going to go after you're not you're not going to go after trail cams. I don't, but you're going to make a I point. Even, I don't even have to go there. No, please. But I'm just saying that No, 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 no. Don't let, don't let me stop make the point. Well, my, I, was just, I was just getting excited. About, is, I was getting excited about your point. I could, I could give a thousand reasons why GPS collars on dogs make it less likely that you're going to lose your dogs. Less, so it's good for the dog. It's safer for the dog. And he cares a dog. lot about dogs because oh. he's got a lot of stuff about his dog on his thing. So I would think he'd want these dogs if to he, make it home if, to cuddle at night. If he cares about <laughs> his dogs, he will put a GPS collar. He doesn't off care about those dogs, so that they won't cross a highway. I can tone my dogs back off of private land. My dog's tree on another piece of property, I can tone, and tone doesn't mean shock them. Tone means just beep their collar, and they will come back to me. A lot of really, uh, a lot of houndsmen have that capacity over their dogs to long range, give commands to their dogs that'll cause them to come back. Um, so this whole idea that, you know, GPS makes it not fair chase is not, is not okay. I got another point about this whole thing that, that hopefully we can have this guy on the show and we can ask him about. Not too long ago, my kids were out shooting their bows in the yard. And they're not, they're not above just letting one fly now and then to see what happens. Well, <laughs> he, I don't know, he had a whole thing about what happened. But the long and short of it is they launched one and stuck it into the neighbor's garage. Oh, wow. Okay. Out of a stick bow. 
he didn't want to do this, but I said, you're going to go over and you're going to knock on that man's door. And I know the guy. He's an admirable guy. I'm like, you're going to knock on his door. You're going to tell him you got to tell him something. And you're going to take him and show him that arrow in the garage. <laughs> and, and I knew, I already know the guy. So I know the guy is not, he's cool. And he's going to be like, under, he, he's going to deep down think it's funny. But uh, like, so I'm not sending him into danger. Like if I had any question, I wouldn't have done it. But I, I you know what I mean? I know how it'll be. I know how it'll go. And it'll be a good lesson for him to go and fess up. And his buddy, my, my kid's buddy already took off. <laughs> crying. Oh wow! Moment, the kid, like the, the moment my kids are out there and his buddy's crying and his buddy rides off on his bike. I'm like, what happened? And Jimmy's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I said, listen, I said, listen, man, you're going over there right now, friend or no friend. Okay. Imagine that 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 he'd gone over to knock on the door, and the guy that answered the door answers with a cell phone. And shames Jimmy. And records him. And then records him going around to show the arrow. Yeah. Records him apologizing. And then goes and posts it to YouTube. And says, this is a boy named Jimmy. And here's roughly where he lives. Here's how to find him. He's a danger with his arrows. Complete disregard for human safety. And it made my dog bark. (laughs) No one would do that to a person. Yeah. It's a war on Christmas. It's like, (laughs) let me get all riled up about it, but just like, it just burns me, man. What'd the the neighbor do, though, when Jimmy confessed? Just do what I thought he'd do. Yeah. Just tell he thought it was funny, but he's like, hey, okay, just don't shoot the garage anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I wasn't like feeding him into the mouth of a lion. Let me me say something about so there's this thing that there's a trend that happens with, social media and with where there's these isolated incidents that make, and it's a lot of times hound hunting look really bad in the public eye. And, and so this guy got on there and started this petition to ban hound hunting in Vermont. It's got a ton, it's got a ton of traction of, a, of traction. And, but what's, Oh yeah. And I guess his like social media following now is like social media following, like explode, like it explodes. It, it's a, it's a, it's a one-stop sell to tell someone that has no history with hunting, no history with hounds, no history with rural life. It's a one-step sell to say these hillbillies out there are using dogs to hunt bears. That equals bad. That's and a one-step sell. And even hillbillies because they got radio collars. That's right. They're like sophisticated hillbillies, which is the <laughs> it's, worst kind. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a much harder sell to take someone with no historical understanding of why would someone use a dog to hunt a bear they have it's it's a it's a five or ten step cell for me to say you know to talk about the the historical um the historical aspects of humans hunting with dogs and the and i bet if you went and interviewed this houndsman i bet money that he's got family history of his family using dogs in vermont for years and he's years, not from there i don't think or wherever he's from yeah but it's, it's, He's just there for the maple syrup. It, it, <laughs> and Ben and Jerry's. It's a harder sell to make someone even begin to understand bear hunting with hounds. Because does, he think two, the, does he think, like, uh, you know, like, should the Cherokee not hunt with, like, the Cherokee hunted bears with dogs? Oh, they did for should sure. Should they not be doing that? Is that naughty? If they put a collar on it because they want it back at night. Yeah. Ugh. Here's a good story. 
Got anything more to say about that, Clay? I'm good. That's a little sophisticated for the book of Chattakit. Yeah, you could probably put some kind of short in there. Clay, Clay, you well, should like a little sidebar. Okay. The book of Chetica could have little sidebars of little things that happen. That, yeah. that would be Examples. great etiquette. Great etiquette would be if yeah. you live in a place where they use hunting dogs. If you see a hunting dog, what do you do? Say hi to it. If you if if dogs are on your land, <laughs> you give them what a treat. Do you do, yeah. And typically, you don't want to do anything to them. Snuggle Tip- them. If if they have a if they have a tracking collar and the dog looks in good health, just don't mess with it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if the dog. For, yeah, if the dog, somebody knows exactly where that dog is and they're trying to get it back, if it's in some place it's not supposed to be. If the gentleman, if the farmer guy, the duck farmer, Goldshaw Farm, we will fly you out. We will put you in a hotel, the full treatment that we give our special that we give special guests. Hey, it's a nice package. It is, Mister Goldshaw. Fly you to Bozeman, put you up in a hotel, come on the podcast. Tell the story. Maybe I'll be like, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I don't know. Remember, did you? What did about you, the houseman? We're not inviting the houseman? I can't have both out at once. I mean, we already interviewed him for the. We already interviewed the You could the be like Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, set, we'll set it up like oh, a courtroom. Right. Here's yeah. guilty. And this guy. <laughs> now, I'm not a. Listen, I'm all for his story because we already interviewed the houseman. Yeah, we know what he did. We interviewed the I'm just saying he's the probably an he upstanding the guy. The houseman thought he was upstanding the, guy. He thought he was. He's the. What's another thing? Like he's the head of the local houndsmen's association. Man. And the the farm guy acted condescending about the existence of that. He's like, yes, there actually is a thing. Like that's naughty. Uh, it's ignorance. Mm. That's the story of ignorance. But he's a part of the duck farmer association, and yes, there is a thing. <laughs> It's <laughs> like I hope he comes on I'll be way ass nicer Super nice Now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition Of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver Off the first animal you kill I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well... What's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. 
Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code meat eater at checkout that's 20 percent off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code meat eater at liquidiv.com do you guys listen to the show when you're not here weren't you on the show when we talked about the alligator that had the projectile points in his stomach which is the craziest thing in the world no but i was somewhere when i heard that story what i don't know if it's prince of wales or on this trip but just recently a guy found a Alligators, apparently, I didn't know this thing. Yanni knows all about it. Apparently, alligators eat rocks. Okay, for their digestion or their something, something. like that. Yeah. And there's even a term for the rock. Anyways, a guy found an alligator, and the alligator had full on, was it one or two, projectile points in his stomach. Like ancient stone projectile points. Mm-hmm. That's Just interesting. eating junk on the bottom of the swamp. Well, here's a weird deal, and there's even a picture of it. A fishing guide from Montauk wrote in. He had a client in the early 2010s. He took a client cod fishing. One of the clients was Jolene, L-E-I-N, line, lean, Jolene. Jolene, Jolene. Dude, if I hung out with that guy, man, that's all I would do when he was around. Jolene, Jolene. That's his first and last name? Jolene. 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 Wow. L-E-I-N. It's probably an unfortunate name for a man. Dude, he's got to be so sick of that joke, man. Uh, this guy was really cool. The the guy liked Jolene a lot because um, he's a client that liked to clean everybody's fish. Just to save work for the guide. He's cleaning one of the cod and finds something weird in his stomach. And it's like he a cod with a big gold nugget in its stomach. Wow. Someone dropped it. I don't know. Like a rugged looking gold nugget 
about half the size of the Z on a quart size Ziploc bag. That's an interesting descriptor. Well, it's because it's in a Ziploc bag. There's a picture. In the picture. <laughs> Next to Z. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Dang. Wow. So are we going to the question of whose gold nugget is it? Well, there's a lot of <laughs> questions. There's, yeah, well, there's whose gold, uh, sure. I mean, is it the guy that found it or the guy that caught the fish? I would say that it's definitely the guy that caught the fish. I would say it's the guy who cleaned it. He's doing And the, the guy who checked the stomach. Because not a lot of people Listen, do. Dirt. <laughs> Let's say you and me are out fishing. Yep. We've done that. And you catch, you catch a big halibut. Mm-hmm. And we open it up, and it's got a million dollars in it. But I'm the one that slits its stomach open. You've caught it. Mm-hmm. I slit its <laughs> stomach open. But You're saying that that's now my million dollars? I think we'd split it 50-50. But <laughs> That'd be generous. This guy, this guy was putting in a lot of effort more than just the one fish, right? I bet you if it went to court, like to Judge the Judy, fi- he Judge Judy the, would give it, the gold nugget would go to the fisherman. I think so because he owned it was his fish it and illegally. Oh, here's yeah. the thing: like think, think about illegally. Yeah, there you had got that me. fish been taken illegally, it would have been his responsibility, and it's his legal property. Yep. Okay. By like it's a it was property of the state. He caught it. It was then transferred to like his legal property. That's why I think it's Steve would make a great judge yeah. Judy type figure on a show. <laughs> That'd be a good show. That'd be what we should Ju- make. Judge Stevie. Yeah, we should make a show. It's like it's just a matter of if we could find enough people fighting about stuff. Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like hey, every... I think every we, may, we may need to take this off of the podcast, but this is a good podcast idea. That's you, what I'm thinking about right now. You and... Mm-hmm. We just comb the world for people in fights about, like, whose buck is it? Like, I hit it in the knee, and then three days later, my cousin got it. Hunting spots. I feel like it's my buck. Yeah. Hunting spots. Like you know, oh, we're gonna get to one of those. In who a should hunt here? Kind of like when Jordan put me in and the and the Chattacut book could be like the rule book that Steve would go. In. Yeah, we could do the whole combo thing. <laughs> Guess what they call that fishing spot now? Joe passed away just recently. The angler Jolene Jolene passed away. Guess what they named that fishing spot? Joey Nuggets. <laughs> Joey, Joey <laughs> Nuggets. That's the fishing spot, dude. Nobody's tried to claim the the gold nugget. I lost that. No, it's not a real descript nugget. It might be a hard sell when, to act like that you, was your when nugget. When you lose a raw material yeah, it's in, back into the natural world, it's anybody's. Now, my friend, I, I, seen a nugget, I seen a nugget similar to that, and it was my friend uh, Ron Layton, who was on this show years ago. His late wife, Joan, had a bunch of gold jewelry. Not a bunch, a small amount of gold jewelry, but their house burned down. And Ron went in there after the house burnt down and went over to where he figured the jewelry was and found a glob of congealed gold that the earrings and whatnot had all melted and came in just this like kind of amorphous blob of gold. And so Joan drilled a hole in that. She wore that around her neck. Mm. And it was all of her jewelry. That's interesting. Speaking of nuggets. Guy rolling in, um, how come people don't eat squirrel nuts? Squirrel oysters. I've never done that. I mean, they're big enough for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, uh, a fox squirrel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's saying Gray that. Squirrel. He talks about how it seems like quite a little morsel. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wondering if we've ever eaten them. And I, I like, 
I have not. Neither have I. Uh-uh. It'd take a lot to make a... You know, my wife's been shelling a lot of peas and beans. It's amazing how many, how big of a pile of beans you got to oh, have to make to a To get pot. a meal? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm thinking about that in terms of... <laughs> like the size of a bean. Yeah. yeah. I will say the Rocky Mountain testicles, you got to eat them fresh. Like out of branding versus really? They're better when the, the, you don't like them frozen? No, we went to that uh, Testy Fest. Testicle Festival? Yeah. yeah, we used to go there all the time. And they'd stockpile for the masses, you know. Frozen. Yeah. Because, yeah, they weren't. They didn't have that. They had it in September. They didn't. Yeah, it wasn't during Brandon season. And that was a different experience from. I always liked those, though. Not the not the Testy Fest They're like fest chicken ones. fried and you didn't oh, yeah. catch up. Jordan knows all about chicken frying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good fresh. But not stockpiled and frozen, and I'd imagine it'd be same with the squirrels. Jordan, how come you never said anything about what your take is about the guy that the? Because you, you're 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 a you come from a long line of uh, cattle ranchers. What's your take on that whole dog thing? The dog thing. Um, Give me the landowner perspective. Oh man, the landowner perspective. I think like you should have. I think you made the point. You should have like a. I don't want to say a soft spot, but. The guy's just trying to go get his dogs. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to try to do anything crazy extra. I mean, I don't think he had any He didn't ulterior have nefarious motives. motives. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I think. If I, Yeah, just I, don't, I hate to return to it. But if the, if the story yeah. had been that all of a sudden the duck guy hears like, come on, ouch, out back and runs back there and there's some guys skinning a bear on his property. Yeah. It'd be an entirely different story. That'd be story. different. That'd be a way mm-hmm. different story. But then it'd come down to that posting thing. Mm-hmm. Either way, let's not, we'll not rehash all that. <laughs> COVID making the news big time. We See, this is where uh, I don't think this show gets enough credit because we've been talking about deer having COVID for months. And now there's all this hoopla. Mm. People being like, you shouldn't go deer hunting because you're going to get COVID <laughs> from deer. I'm like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> as I can attest. You don't need to go deer hunting to get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, this guy's like, I always like to eat deer tongues, but now I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID from eating the tongue. It's like, I don't know, man. Hmm. <laughs> I just. You got to cook it to 150 it. degrees and it kills it. So here's a quote from our article at TheMediator.com. Here's a quote from it. The risk of white-tailed deer transmitting the virus back to humans appears to be low. Although a proven instance of deer-to-human transmission is yet to occur, the risk must be considered. Hunters should take precautions when handling harvested deer in the field, particularly tissues. Not that it's boring. But um, you can wear a glove. You can wear a mask. When you're, It's just, come on. Hmm. I... You know, come on. Zoonotic, this is the last thing on my mind. True. Zoonotic diseases, though, the idea that they're carrying the same disease to us is is kind of spooky because we all know that, like, if uh, chronic wasting ever transmitted to a human, it would be major. That's why I'm a big proponent of doing everything we can do to slow the spread of chronic wasting disease. Yeah. Yep. Well, but I'm just saying that this, the, the, uh, here's where I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> just a judge. <laughs> just just judge. a judge. <laughs> I just feel per, uh, personally, I'm at a place, and, and I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not going out on a limb here because this is a. I, I keep seeing editorials. I even saw an editorial in the New York Times, basically to this point. 
that there's a there will be a point at which we've done about everything we can do for COVID. Yeah. There's a vaccine. If you want to take it, take it. If you don't want to take it, that's your call. But at a point, we're just it, it, it'll it'll be like the cold. I don't. I. I just. I personally. I'm not. I don't know anything. I just. I just know what I read. I just read stuff and analyze it, whatever. I, I just don't think the genie's going back in the bottle here. Now CWD, that's different. Like I. I like catching COVID from a deer just seems. I suppose I already had it twice anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, seems I, like a times COVID magnet. Oh yeah. Both times from deer hunts. Once. No. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm a sucker for COVID. I get, you, it, you, I get it unvaccinated. I got it vaccinated. <laughs> if you had killed that deer, you might have got a COVID third time, but I killed it. Mm-hmm. So I skinned it. Do you feeling? I feel good. I feel strong. <laughs> <laughs> the the worry, and this is a legitimate worry, the worry is that, um, the worry is that this narrative, that there will be this narrative about deer as dangerous or deer as, you know, you know, I'm I'm personally anti-glove when it comes to skinning stuff. How come? It, it, it's probably dumb, and I, I'm ready to I'm ready to change if someone gives me the the correct you know a, a better perspective. But yeah, Spencer Newharth, he always sends me a picture of himself when he guts a deer wearing gloves because I think it just kind of ultimately makes you weak. What, yeah. if he, what if you're Probably, allergic? That's a great argument. What if you're allergic to the deer hair? Just weak. I mean, just then you already are weak. Then <laughs> you should be a duck. <laughs> you should Morris. be a duck farmer in Vermont. Well, it's funny, Seth Morris is not here because he's sick. Yeah, so he's weak. He's in a weakened condition, <laughs> and Clay has revealed his total weakness. <laughs> Seth is allergic to the dander on deer, so he needs to wear is gloves. Is he really? Here's my take on gloves. As a guy that doesn't wear them, but recognizes that you probably should. I can picture a world in which you'd regret not having worn gloves. But I can't picture a world in which you'd regret having worn them. This from a man who does not wear them. But that's the thing that's always in my mind. Yeah. I'll wear them if I have to skin. Um, for some reason, skinning a fox or a coyote makes me want to put gloves or on. Or a coon. I don't know why. I'm with you. Well, you know, remember Remy, Remy Warren was uh, – Dealing with a deadhead that had been in the sun a couple of days. He was anti-glove. Yeah, but the gloves wouldn't have made any difference because he cut his hand. And that's latex probably, glove isn't going to stop. Was it just a bacterial infection though? He didn't get some. He got weird blood. Disease. He, got, he got blood poisoning. Yeah, like man, he didn't get a disease. He got blood poisoning from an old deadhead. But for some reason, did he start wearing gloves after that when he'd process? Probably just put the fear into him. Yeah, that's what I mean. Here's another deer disease, and this is the one seems to not have any implications for. But but this is gonna Jordan, you'll be able to speak to this one. Um, epizootic hemorrhagic disease (EHD), mm-hmm. which a lot of people in in the hunting communities will say, like blue tongue, which is like a form of or version of, but EHD. Um, if you feel like you've been hearing a lot about EHD lately, you have. They're pointing out that uh, north northeastern Nebraska had bad EHD this year, mm-hmm. real bad EHD this year. Uh. North Dakota had such an outbreak. They're trying to buy back deer tags right now. Wow. Jordan lost one of her best bucks, probably to EHD. I yeah. think probably. He was laying next to the water. They Died had to by go the to creek. water. Yeah. Died by the creek. Wasn't shot. No. 
I mean, we haven't found one since, but I just have an inkling. North Dakota's trying to buy back 30,000 deer tags in the western part of the state. So EHD is spread by a little gnat, like a little midge of some sort. And the reason they think it's popping up so bad right now well, it says EHD and blue tongue. I, I I need to like take five seconds at some point to understand the 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 differences if there are between EHD and blue tongue. But uh, it's spread from deer to deer by certain biting midges or gnats. They're smaller mosquitoes. Um, and water plays into this because the midges are found near water, and the it gives the animal a horrible fever. So when there's an EHD outbreak, people find all the dead deer out on pond, the edges of ponds, in stock tanks, in creeks, along creeks. They just they get a horrible fever and try to go cool off, and it kills them quick once it sets in. But the drought uh, is congregating deer at water, so it's it's able to jump more. Like you have, you know, isolated water sources, a lot of deer congregating around isolated water sources. And so they're all getting infected more and you're having, and the drought is driving wor- worse EHD outbreaks. And when you get an EHD outbreak, a bad one, it's not uncommon to carry off 75% of the deer. Ooh. It's a hundred percent fatal if they get is with it? that thing. Yeah. That's what better. I read. Yeah. And the incubation period was like five to seven days. And once it, they start getting the effects, it kills them within 48 hours. Hold on, lay that, lay that out for me again. Uh, they said the incubation period could be anywhere, I think it said from five to seven days. That's what okay. the, the internet said. And then they start feeling ill. And it, they're dead within 48 hours. So it said when you find oh. them, they're, they're not, they don't like shrivel up and die. Like they just die. <laughs> and then the outbreak, what, what ends an outbreak is the onset of sub-freezing temperature. Like frost, yeah. You get a frost, kills the bugs. Mm-hmm. Put a stop to the EHD. Um, North Dakota, second straight year that they've been buying back, trying to buy back tags. They in uh, the game and fish their department there had one thousand reports of dead deer after EHD surfaced in late August. I always thought that EHD hit harder on high water years because there's just more midges. That was my thinking, and it seemed like when I was floating down the river, like on the uh, what? What are the what's that? Is that just turkeys? Those are turkeys, wrong side of the river dirt. Uh, Or it's really little short deer. (laughs) (laughs) Still in a blacktail mode. No, it's turkeys coming down the creek. (laughs) Anyways, find out. You have turkey hunts here, right, Jordan? Turkey hunts, yeah. Spring. Marianne's. See, I kind of want you to not book up that one year. I'll hold it. Sorry. Here they come right now, people. <laughs> Here come the turkeys. I'll hold it. Yeah, you could book. Yeah, you could book a turkey hunt. You're booked out for next year, right? Booked out for 22. Yeah. So this upcoming spring, you can, someone could still but get a turkey hunt. 2026. Uh, no, I'm full. Full. For when 20, you full? Full for 2022. But you have room for 2023. Yes. Go on, Dirk. Sorry. <laughs> Oh no, Chester! Was... Oh, that's right. You were talking about the turkeys coming down the <laughs> yeah. creek. Um, I, I was saying floating down down the Yellowstone, high water years seems like you'd find mature bucks dead next to the water. More so 
high water years. I should point out that this feller right. here, the veterinarian for the North Dakota Game and Fish Wildlife. So their veterinarian, Charlie Bonson, not Charlie Bronson, Charlie Bonson. Isn't that that guy from, am I thinking the right guy? Char- you're thinking of Charles Bronson? That, yeah, not him. This is Charlie Bonson. <laughs> he's just, he's throwing it out there. He says, he said one theory could be, so he's not acting like he's got it all figured out. He's just, you know, making an educated. Humble man. Making an educated point here that record-breaking heat in October. So instead of record-breaking cold, which would be killing all the midges, it's record-breaking heat. It's an extended period of time they can get it. And he feels that the drought, uh, so record-breaking heat in October created conditions favorable to midges and more viral spread. And the other thing about the low water is just a thing about concentration of, because it's communicable, right? It's like the same way malaria spreads. Like malaria is the, a mosquito moves from one person to the next person. So a mosquito bites a person, a mosquito bites another person. That's how malaria spread. Well, that makes a hell of a lot more sense. I could see that being valid. Like, there's more than just a low water or high water year. Because, like, the river and the creek never change. Like, those water levels never change year to year. So it has to be something else Mm -hmm. to go along with it, you know? Temps or... Yeah. I don't know, man. uh, That'd be an interesting conundrum to sell back your tag. Yeah, you so, want to so be like you want to be like a team player, and, and you know they're they're intent. But imagine that you wait and wait and wait, you know, and all of a sudden like, yeah, I'm going this year, man. And all of a sudden, and, like, and just to clarify, their intent is to reduce harvest, not to yeah. EHD deer, are not. Particular. Their intent is to reduce like they they issued tags like you know every year making an educated guess about right. You know you you wait as long as you can. Your biologists are out. They're doing their surveys. You're like looking at conditions, and at some point you issue tags. Yeah, and you're like, okay. It looks good. We're going to go with 10,000. And then, whap! October, people are still buying the tags, right? You're like, and then all of a sudden, there goes 75% of your deer, but you just, you issued tags because you thought. And so they're going to hit them pretty hard. And so then you're like, man, we got to do something to try to rein it back. And, you know, they, they, they put it to you voluntarily. Like, if you want, we'd like to buy your tag back. Yeah. I'd put a little bonus on there. There's some lotto tags, too. Oh, you think it should be a bonus? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, like, if if you bought something for me from 20 bucks and you wanted it back and you're going to pay me, tw- or if I sold you something for 20 bucks, and you wanted to buy it back for 20 bucks, I'd be like, I'll sell it to you for 25. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like an incentive. I mean, yeah. It'd be like an incentive to turn it you back. You see what I'm saying? I don't think you would do that, though. Because <laughs> you're, so, you're like an honorable dude. I feel like he'd let him have it back. Business is business, Steve. <laughs> Man, them turkeys are still piling out. New oh, A new flock. Yeah, that's a nice group of turkeys. Oh, oh look. look at them. Oh, they're, cr- oh, they're, they're crossing the river. the crew. <laughs> Going into the other. Here's a good one. This, is, this has Chattanooga implications. Luke from Kentucky. He's he hunts he hunts public land in Kentucky. He's struggling with this. He's got an interesting thing, and he he thinks I'm gonna be on his side, but I don't know that I'm totally on his side. He's struggling with what he has deemed to be squatters, which is a harsh word. Is he's rubbed the wrong way by individuals who are putting their stands out the night before 
weeks before season placing a stand on public land. And he hasn't he has an, he has encounter with a guy that took it a little too far. A guy not only puts his stand up, but leaves his bow in it. <laughs> <laughs> on public land. <laughs> so he gets there, and it's like the stand and the bow. <laughs> That's unusual. Well, you, you doing that, it's like, let's just be frank. You putting the stand there, that you just have to face the facts. Anybody can hunt the stand. Yep. It's public land. It's like you putting but, it there does not well, there's, earn there's, for you the spot in, by law. There's regulation in most yeah. states about how long you can put up a stand and leave it. Oh, please. You know more about land. this than me. Tell me. Well, I mean, it like depends. It, but does it give you the spot? It, no, a guy could get in a tree right beside you. Some states you can't leave. That's right. And like it, In Arkansas, on, on wildlife management areas, you have to have your name written on the stand and your phone number. And you can only leave it there for a certain amount of days. I want to say it's two weeks. So you could go in early and put up a stand and it would be legal. So I would say that there's law that's probably prescribed that would that would give this guy. I mean, I don't think there's, there's as long as it's within the time frame that they mm-hmm. say you can leave a stand, I'd say he's good. Well, I, I, his deal is this. Just, let me hit you with the other part of this okay. and you can speak to the whole thing. Uh, his deal, like, he's not saying you shouldn't be able to put a stand out. He's talking about interactions with other hunters in which someone feels that that makes it their spot. Yeah. I Like, he had a, when he had a run-in with the guy, he said, that's where my tree stand is, that's where my bow is, so that's where I'm going. I think if it's legal to leave a tree stand overnight in a place... Just because you left your bow up there does not mean that's your spot. The guy he should who, have left his ass. The up guy, there. yeah, <laughs> the guy who walked in there with that ground blind did not know for sure that that guy was going to come back, and he was there first. So, in my opinion, they both had a talk before they hunted, which I think is smart to do. And yeah, he saw a light coming and waited up for the guy because he's like, "Hey, I'm going to wait up for him." Yep, I forgot that little detail. He waited up for the guy coming behind him on the trail to yep. be like, where are you going? Where, here's where I'm going. And he's like, well, here's where I'm going. He's like, no, you're not, because I'm going there because my bow's there. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, I'm just going off of what I would do personally. And let's say I were the guy who left my bow in the tree stand, which I would not do. Let's say I left the tree stand because it was legal in that state, and I went the night before and set it up. And I came, and there's this guy sitting there in the ground blind, personally, I would not hunt my tree stand. I may quick take it down, but I would probably be like, listen, dude, you were here first. You didn't know I was coming to hunt my tree stand. I'm going to go try and find well, What if he did figure spot. you were coming, but he's just there first? I, uh, either way. Yeah. You know, he, what if he did? I mean, the bow was up there, so they probably maybe figured some guy was coming back. You know what I would have done? I would have left my kid up there. <laughs> Rotate him out. I'd be like, listen. You guys got Mondays and Tuesdays. Don't you move. When I come up in the morning, you can run back. Go to school. (laughs) What would you have done, Steve? Here's the deal. Here's why it's hard for me. It's like, it just depends on, it depends on a lot. Like, it depends on like how much space, how tightly people are concentrated. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot like, of gray like, it on, like if I look and it's and it's like an old man barely coming down the trail. You know, he's 98 years old. Sure. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. just you know, that's cool, man. Just go. You know, he's like, I had to leave my bowl there because I can only carry my one thing in at a time, and I don't know. I'm not gonna be like, well, tough shit. <laughs> sure. It's just it's so circumstance. It's so situational. It's so situational. Yeah. Is it that there's 400 acres of land and you go out and a guy pre did his stand? You kind of in your head like I don't know, man. Like he's got to stand there. Let me go check. But maybe it's that there's 12 stands on 400 acres of land. There's nowhere to go. And at a point, you got to be like, man, I'm just going to have to be that it's going to be first come, first serve on opening morning because I can't untangle everything that's going on out here. Are these, are these like legitimately here? Did some guy come in and put all these up as a way to like claim the whole thing? You just make a little judgment calls. I'm a big fan of the hang and hunt and like take it down just for those reasons Mm -hmm. and people not getting lazy and forgetting their tree stands in the woods and leaving them up, which happens all the time. You see it in Montana. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of gray area, like you're saying. Yeah. Here's another one. Hang tight there, Jordan. I want to know I I skipped a lot of stuff. I skipped a lot of stuff? Yeah. Okay. Just to talk to you more. Uh, here's another one. This is, this is another landowner dilemma. This is, this falls outside of Chattakit because this is just a whole different kind of peculiar thing, but it kind of fits with what we're talking about. Corinne did a great job of bundling all this. Like Corinne and I will talk about things we ought to talk about. And she bundled a lot of these like private property things. Mm. They're property issues. You know, the guy wrote in, he lives in St. Francisville, Louisiana. He owns 450 acres north of his place. On said property, there's a creek. Along said creek, there are three grave sites from the 1800s. A feller named John J. Austin and his wife and daughter all buried there. John J. Austin was a decorated veteran of the War of 1812. You know, oh, you know what? That'd be a good song for you to learn, Chester. In 1814, we took a little trip. Mighty Mississippi. Took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we whooped the mighty British at the Battle of New Orleans. Fired our guns. So John J. Austin, John J. Austin, decorated veteran of the War of 1812, presumably from the Battle of New Orleans. He dies, okay? His wife dies. He homesteaded on this 450 acres. He dies. Um, oh, man, this story really makes its own gravy. I forgot to mention. The fellow that wrote in, his family's owned this place for 100 years. They've always hosted these graves on their place of the people that homesteaded the place. This fellow dies. His wife dies of typhoid fever. Daughter dies of something else. No, his daughter died of typhoid. Listen, everybody dies. All three of them die. There they are on the property. This guy's owned the place for 100 years. The Historical Society is leaning on him to put a fence around the, the graveyard and build a road into there so people could come in and look no. at the dead people's place. No way. He doesn't want the general public to have that much access to her property. It's on the back end of his place. They run cattle there. They hunt in there. 
In fact, the gravesite is real close to where his daughter killed her first deer last year. Just feels to him like just unnecessary. Yep. He's wondering what we what we would do. This is a real clear cut answer to this. Listen, if it was yep. Abe Lincoln or something, still no. Listen, honest Abe, they would have took it a long time ago. If yeah, it was honest true. Abe, anyway, <laughs> they wouldn't be talking about yeah. it anymore. But let's say it turns out that that's where Honest Abe was buried. I'd be like, listen, it's Honest Abe. I'll relocate great, him. The great emancipator. Yeah, let's put a road in. But just. I don't know. I'm sure he's a great guy. John J. Austin. God bless him. Yeah. But I just don't know if that, like if that of all, like, I don't know if that warrants that. Because then the next thing you go to do, you know, like, like you go to do like some habitat work, like you're just going to create friction. That's going to burn you down the road. Yeah. Well, what you say, if you don't want to be just a total jerk is you say, Hey, if this is your family, I'll take you back in there anytime you want. Yeah, dude. Judge Judy, bam. Maybe he should be writing a book <laughs> called Clay Kit. So you just say, yeah. That's a great solution, Clay. Just, yeah. That's what I think this gentleman should do. He should say, it, it even makes it better. If it has, like, if there's some emotional attachment here, family. I'll take you back in there you're, myself. You're, you're a historian. Just please reach out. We will get you taken care of. But you don't want just please random people coming back there because they can. And they got no business being there. Don't know these people. What? Yeah. You put a road in there. You lose some of that integrity of like the actual cool old gravesite too mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And then you like... got the grave diggers coming in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the meat eater super fans <laughs> claiming their family to go check out this gravesite. <laughs> you got a guy being like, "It's my grandma," and I was thinking about how uh, I'd like to visit her on opening day. <laughs> she always felt opening day was very special. And I'd like to be there to honor that with my old rifle. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good solution. I think so. That's good, Clay. Man, we got to do a Judge Judy show, man. <laughs> Does your verdict hold up when you decide guilty, non-guilty? Well, that's the hard part because then you have to have the historical society be down here. You have to have like the the duck well, you guy. Are talking about you have to have the duck guy and the bear guy sitting here. They have to all agree. Six hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> all right. To duck farmers of America. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. 
Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater. Make sure you use code MeatEater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. Jordan, I got a couple questions for you. Okay. You know, I know you haven't been long, live terribly long, but this place is where you live has been your family for a very long time. Yeah, 39. This is my grandpa bought it. Grandpa bought it in 1939. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you feel that you've watched, like we're hunting whitetails. Yeah. Do you feel that over the course of your, through your family's experience that um, whitetails have kind of like displaced? Because we see mule deer very few. We see a like we've seen like a mule deer buck, yeah, or maybe two mule deer bucks. Do yeah. you feel that um, whitetails are kind of have the upper hand here? I think so. I think it's definitely changed. I don't know if it's just like we've definitely seen the whitetail population rise, mm-hmm. and with that has been like an equal decline in mule deer. And I remember there being like nicer mule deer bucks here when I was like, mm, like upper grade school, maybe middle school. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's not that way anymore. We have a hard time seeing like, a, honestly, like the buck we saw last night's one of the better mule deer I've seen out here in like oh, that was. three or four years. Yeah. Huh. And then uh, what about pronghorn? That's, that's shifted too. I think some of that has to do with, uh, I think that they're wintering to agriculture fields and they're not coming back. They're just staying there. They're so you would add pronghorn here. Yeah, I mean, even like, one. even when I was in high school, we had 
like a huntable population, I would say. Wow. But so you think like year, like ag coming in and and you, you know you have you have all these irrigation like, yeah you have like nineteen uh, pivots. It's like a cluster, yeah. Yeah, you have nine. Like I think there's like four center pivot center pivots per or four per section or per two section. per section or something like that. So anyways, nineteen yeah. of them to the to the what south of you? Mm-hmm, south. That that in your father's, you know, when your father it, was your age, those weren't there. That's what I understand. At least there definitely wasn't as many of them. Yeah, and that changes. Definitely stuff. wasn't. Yeah, I think that that changed stuff a lot. I think that we saw the effects of that even a little bit on this hunt, where normally the deer would just live like on the river and maybe there wouldn't be as many of them, but they'd still live on the river and in the hills and stuff, but they um, all suck into those pivots and it's hard to, tougher to hunt them. Another new thing, oh, go ahead, Clay. It's interesting. So the other day while I was writing my song up on the hill, looking, watching you guys hunt. The song about me or Werner Glenn? No, the song about, <laughs> it should have been, been me. Sorry, so you, yeah, the song about you. Yeah. yeah. That I'm involved I with. I saw, we saw, Derek, oh, yeah. help me. We saw white-tailed deer. We saw mule deer. We saw bison. And now these weren't wild bison, but they, yeah. to the eye, appeared to be wild bison on a big land far away. We saw wild elk. We saw 30 elk. Nice come through. Yeah. We saw wild turkey. The only thing that we didn't see that you just described was antelope. But I mean, that's a and pretty. Yeah. I've seen. Uh, I've seen. Whitetail, mule deer, pronghorn, elk. I'm just talking about yeah, you know, and a bunch of things that aren't yeah. That I mean, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good swap. And then the the bison off in the distance, which, like I said, aren't wild, but for the vast majority of our landmass here, that's what that's the best you can hope for. Yeah, so just pretty neat, pretty neat. Was that was that feller that killed that big elk here? uh, Your first elk client? It was, yeah. You guys killed a big bull. Mm -hmm. We did. We got. Tell about how that whole thing's going down because those definitely haven't been here a long time. No, like. I think just Nebraska as a whole has been seeing an uptick. I think they added like, I don't want to say 50, but it was something like that, like 50 more elk tags this year just to the whole state. Um, But it's resident only, hard to draw. Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime, So how did you get hooked up with the elk client? He just called me. I Honestly, I don't even know. I I think I learned after that he called everybody else and everybody else was full. But So he got a hold of me and asked if we could – Make but how happen. is he like picking where like uh, it's statewide or not statewide? It's not statewide. Oh, I see. No, okay. it's yeah, it's you. unit specific. Yeah, of course it's not statewide. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So he had a unit and he was calling around. Yeah. Called you. I think he was. Yep. I think he was late to the game, and told me that a bunch of other people were already full. So he called me and asked if we had a decent, like if we had a good chance, and I said we, I thought we did, and yeah, shot a. Like a 365 bull. Was he pretty happy? Wow. He was super happy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys have fun doing yeah, it? Yeah, he was super happy. Yeah, it was good. It was honestly the first evening. Oh, really? The whole deal. Yeah. And and it was like the elk, I would not say were like residing on the place. They were passing through. So it was just a, it was a huge waiting game. Were just you, like were you just there. sweating it going into that? Oh, yeah. How long is the season? Yeah. Uh, it starts, let's see, it ends, uh, it's like 
five weeks. Oh, so he had time to try something else. Yeah, it wasn't he had, work. Yeah. yeah, he had some time. We didn't get in on the opener. I was on like another hunt, I think. And so I couldn't get here until like the very end of September. Um, and it starts the third week of September. So since that was just your first elk client, did you have yeah. to just kind of like make up a price? Pretty much. I just looked at what everybody <laughs> else was doing and like got right in line huh. what I thought they were doing. Can you, uh, explain what, it, how, how the state requires, like they have a, they have a landowner thing, but like the, yeah. the, the requirement is interesting. Yeah. So you if, have a, if a landowner to, wants to enroll, you have to prove from what I've, I've been working with a game and fish guy to try to get us in like as a landowner, there's like a landowner section that's like North of town. That's like all the landowners just automatically they comply for a landowner tag. But us where we're kind of out of like the main zone of where I would say most of the elk are or have been, we have to apply like individually. So we have to like enroll the ranch into the landowner program and then all the family members can do it yeah if they're directly related to the owner okay they can yeah they can apply and it's something like for every 640 acres like two family members can apply or something like that and it's still a long shot it's still a long shot yeah and uh so you have to prove that you have elk on your place for i think it's three of the four seasons that's a, that's a, that's that a neat requirement yeah yeah, so you have to prove. How do you prove it? Trail actually... cam photos? Like, what do you got to have? Yeah, pretty much trail cam photos, like any video, any of that stuff. I'm gonna use trail cam photos just because it's date stamped and whatnot, so you can like prove that kind of thing. But the the interesting thing about being in the landowner deal is you can once you prove that you hold elk on your place, if you draw a tag, your tag is good for all of the Bordeaux unit or all of the unit that your land is in, not just your land. Yeah. Which is So you could go hunt somebody else's from deer. place if you had That's different permission. than deer. You could, yeah. Deer you have to stay on your own place. Um, you know those like hostage things where you have the hostage holding the newspaper? You gotta get like an elk holding the <laughs> <laughs> the newspaper to prove when he was there, you know? Uh huh. Yeah. I wonder how uh to what degree do, do you gather that it's pretty friendly? Or like, to what degree do they kind of put the screws to you? You know, you're sort know. of saying like, no, I mean, because you can set the trail cam whatever the hell day you want. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I've gotten that far into it. It'll be interesting to see yeah. how that goes. They just kind of put like, me Like, is it like a, a real good faith thing? Or are they like, are you sure? <laughs> well, it seems like know. if somebody was trying to fabricate that and couldn't prove it, they wouldn't have elk there anyway, so they couldn't kill one anyway. Do you see what I'm saying? No, it's good for the whole unit. Yeah, it's good for the whole unit. Oh, so okay. if we drew as a landowner, Clay, we caught Clay not paying attention, didn't we? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to follow, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you could go for the whole unit. So it's interesting. They haven't really, I mean, like twenty questioned me yet. They just put me on a list and told me to like start gathering some things mm. to prove that elk have been through there or we hold elk at least some of the year. And then they would get a hold of me. Tell later them to on. ask me and Dirt. Yeah, we've Second seen. Day. Oh yeah, you got some eyewitnesses. You got fall. You got fall held up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We have uh, video. footage of it. Yeah. Oh, you know what'd be great? Here's here's keep this in mind. You know how that shed we found that we haven't picked up yet? Yeah. So there you know. Wait you, a minute. You, you know have when a story you hadn't told us about? Yeah. You spotted shed? a shed. We've glassed up a shed twice, and she hasn't walked over and got it yet. 
Really? Elk, elk shit. Yeah. You need to go over there because you know when they like the the date range that it dropped they have to get drop. a real nice picture how it's kind of settled into the sand and mm-hmm. whatnot. In C two. It's in C two, and be like, well, you know, he was here in March, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's good. That's detective work right there, buddy. Yeah, this is strong. We're building a strong case. Is it brown or is it white? It's white. Yeah. Little sun. It's on your land, it's though? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Y'all been holding back. I found you. Y'all should have told us this. Yes. We found that first uh, first morning. Yeah, the first morning. We would have had time Last to go night. get it. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. and this, this is a little bit off topic, but this is I'm, I feel like I need to bring this up because we're hunting in two different, you know, like we're going hunting and y'all are going hunting. So when we come back together... I'm kind of a stickler on this in the camps that I run, okay, <laughs> is that there needs to be a formal mm. meeting. To just, I saw you try to do that to To me. give information yeah. because, like, I'll I'll pass by Jordan and be like, what y'all see? And, you know, she'll say something, and then you'll pass by and say something totally different. And then <laughs> the cameraman go, well, th- this happened, and no one knows what's going on. So I, that's why, I, <laughs> that's why I like, if, when he come back, it's like, all right. Pow wow. And it's like, Steve is going to tell us what happened today. And that's where we would have known about the elk shed. It's the last day of the hunt. This case in point to Clay's. Yeah, yep. you're right. Here <laughs> we, we are. We all knew it. You didn't know it. My hunt would have been more <laughs> robust the last three days if I'd have known there was an elk shed on this oh, yeah. property. Glassing that sucker up. We're trying to. Y'all took this from me. <laughs> it's till tonight. <laughs> when you guys get a deer here, Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go down to the check station. Yeah, that's a rifle season thing. That's what that's for. Yeah, that's so a talk, rifle talk to you what thing. all like why and what all happens and where you go. That might be interesting. I mean, to the why is a good is probably a good question. We didn't do it last year. Um, with COVID and stuff, they just oh they didn't were closed to check stations. Check stations, yeah. Muzzleloader, you don't have to do check station, and archery, you don't have to do check station. You just call in and like you tell them. Like male or female, white tail or mule deer, if it was a uh, like if the buck had more than eleven inches spread or something like mm-hmm. that. And you do they pull say, a tooth? No. So why do they need the whole thing? To, why do they need the whole thing there? They don't take any like biometric. No do they take any measurements or no. anything? All the bucks no. are two and a half years old. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the other thing that happens. He didn't <laughs> take a CWD thing, did he? No, I told him he could, and he didn't. Yeah, he just cut the he like cut the side of the mouth open and he looked and he said, "Look like sharp teeth, two and a half years old." Didn't pluck one. Didn't touch it. <laughs> he just said. And didn't sharp. pull a gland. No. I thought they. So yeah. they just so want to have it be that. that they're, they're like, they're by the golly, that that's a dead deer. On. I think so. I oh, and know. then he puts the metal locking. He tag puts on the it. yeah locking. Okay, tag. so there is a thing that goes on down yeah. there, but they're not like really maximizing information that could be pulled from these deer. No, I've seen them sometimes like they'll cut and like pull a gland. Yeah. I assume for CWD, yeah. but I don't, uh, other than that, that's pretty much all. Yeah. I mean, my kids happened. went into, we took a deer into, after the UCs, we took a deer into a check station and you could, uh, they grab a tooth and they will pull a gland. Yeah. We Neither missed out on the gland pulling because we already skinned the head. Oh, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. I would have saved him one of the glands if I'd been thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, in Nebraska, you guys, um, everything's over the counter. Yeah. Uh, the rifle tags are capped. So, oh. and they are unit specific. So, like, muzzleloader season, over the counter. I don't, I don't even know if there's a cap. And if there is, I don't think it's ever been met. 
and that is statewide. Uh, there are certain like restrictions on like mule deer in the Pine Ridge area. I know you can't shoot a mule deer doe like on the north side of the river here. Um, and then I think you can only you could get still one. shoot a mule deer doe on this side of the river. Yeah, on the south side. Huh? Really? But not on the north side. I don't know if that's a great idea. Yeah. So then you might be speeding along the inevitable, man. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then there's like certain areas in southern Nebraska where there's like mule deer conservation areas where you can't shoot a mule deer inside of them at all. Or okay. you have to draw for a buck tag in those. Archery is the same way, but rifle, they make you, they're unit specific and they are capped and they sell out pretty damn fast. The mule deer tags on the north side of the river sold out in like two days. Got it. Mm-hmm. Do you guide those? Um, yeah. I, I kind of shy away from the mule deer thing just because of what we're talking about. Like a lot of the guys that want to shoot mule deer, you know, they want like a good representation of a buck. And I just don't think that I can't like promise that type Mm -hmm. of a deal. So if they want to shoot a mule deer, like we'll hunt for a mule deer, but I sell a whitetail hunt. And then I do like a trophy fee type thing on top of the mule deer or on top of if they shoot a mule deer just to make people more conscious of like don't shoot a two point type of a deal just to shoot a mule deer i'm trying to help us out there but you know she killed a real big mule deer a couple years ago i don't know if you want to talk about that well you killed a real big one this year 2000 that was idaho yeah yeah so you killed a big one in this place Mm -hmm, 2016 he was like high 190s really yeah Yeah. really but up by the highway Mm-hmm. So he wasn't even down here, but killed it with a bow. Still. You did? Yeah. Is that one of the ones in the hallway? It's a picture. Yeah. One of the- yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if there's a picture of him up there or not. There's some big muleys pictures. Yeah. You shot that one with a bow out here. Mm-hmm. Up off the meadow. That's doing something, man. What'd you do? Creep up on it? Or yeah. did you have a blind? A little canyon. Really? Yeah, it creeped. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool, man. I didn't know that. that was Sixteen. And you got was, a big stomper out in Idaho this year. I got a good buck in Idaho, yeah. How big was this? This one. We never, I, he's probably like a mid-160s buck. I never, we haven't measured him. He's in getting a Euro mount currently. Freedom mount. Freedom mount, that's right. Forgot about that. Um, do you know this about your state? This feels like a western state, right? 97% private. Whoa. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Wow. That's tough going. Actually, 97%. Surprises me a little. There's probably some parks. Yeah, it's pretty much. It's what probably it like is. You, know, let, let, you run into that too. Like like when you see Texas, you know. Yeah. I mean, they even sold off their school trust lands. Like, and then they, they but they have like a so they'll have like a certain what it was like I don't know two percent or whatever the hell it is public, but Great Bend National Park. Mm. You can't hunt in there anyways. So right? you can't hunt anyways. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like what good is it, but it does. I mean, for, from a hunter's perspective, so you go like, oh, there's at least some public land, but then the bulk of the public land is park you can't hunt anyway. Yeah. So you probably got a situation like that. There are some parks, but most of the, I think some of like most of the public lands all in the northwest corner of the state, like Shadron area, Harrison, and they, it gets hammered. And that's all like in the Pine Ridge unit. Yep. So on the north side of the river. That's where some public is. Yeah, that's yeah. where. Yep, that's where a lot of it is. But this state, uh, they have an open fields and waters program, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's like putting your 
like CRP or whatever. Yep. You can open it. 375,000 like acres in that. 40,000 acres enrolled in something that I never heard of called the Stubble Access Program. Mm, haven't heard of that either. Well, after you harvest wheat and milo and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's people can go in and hunt birds in western Nebraska on the stubble and adjacent habitat. Oh. That's not a bad program. No. It's very specific. It is. That's like, kind of what I thought. Harvest your crop. Once you harvest your crop, guys can come in and hunt the stubble fields. But they keep people out of it when the crop's still yeah. standing. They're nothing. Nice. Yeah, for sure. It's not bad. Judge More turkeys. Judy approved. What's that? More turkeys. Good eye, dirt. Yep. All right, listen. <laughs> we got a real problem. We're running out of our hunt time. Steve hasn't shot a deer yet. But yeah. you know, I, I want Should you know, I don't care. Me. I've had a great time. Yeah, cool. I'm glad. I've had the, one of the better times <laughs> I've ever had doing anything. It's been humbling <laughs> for me because I'm. I don't think before this a rifle hunt's ever gone over two days. Really? I just kind of assume. I can tell you're sweating it. Yeah. We saw, but, but here's the thing: we could have shot bucks. Mm-hmm. Could have shot one a minute ago. That's true. We could have shot smaller deer, but. And there was one usually. that we watched for a while, and you're like, Steve, let's get serious. What do you think about that buck? Yeah, there was a point. <laughs> I kept looking at him, and I was like, I mean, it's not a bad deer, but it's just. But, we've all, but here's the thing. We've also seen bucks where you said, I'd shoot that buck. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so the difference yeah. between, what do you think about that deer, and I'd shoot that buck. You know yeah. what? The buck. <laughs> that was the difference. He was like on the border, and I was like, no. Yeah. Not some of the, do yeah, it. we've seen multiple ones where you're like, there's a shooter. This guy. I was making some commentary on the hilltop when the buck in question came out that was kind of the one that she was going, well, you know, that's a decent buck. They bedded down <laughs> out by us twice. I was, I was sitting up there and I said, Steve Rinella on day three is going to shoot that buck. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've had let bucks. Go, we've had bucks. Go. We just haven't had. Seen a lot of nice bucks far off. Seen little bucks up close, and we yeah. just haven't. The corn is up, and quite... that, that's one thing I don't think we mentioned. There's a bunch of pivots, and this time of year, a lot of those deer are still in that I corn. think it is a hoedown in that corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, miles of corn. It's like the Wild West. Is miles of corn. Said? Yeah. I think it's holding them maybe more than I thought it was going to. Well, it's just there's, it's so unpredictable. Like being on the hilltop, you see, like we've seen a shooter buck almost every single time we've set up there. Yeah, because we have this macro view, mm-hmm. and it's just you know, sometimes they come out here, sometimes they come out there. There's just so much surface area that corn, it's just hard to know where they're going to be. Yeah, we saw a yeah. shooter buck last night. That was a mile and a half away going the other way. Yeah, yeah, chasing hot after a doe, and you're just like, it's kind of like you see it, but kind of doesn't doesn't matter, matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so yeah i like seeing that stuff though oh for sure man it can easily go the other way where uh people are like well it doesn't even matter so why are we sitting here if we can see him but we can't get to him i'm like well, valid i guess yeah i don't want look, I, I think I've, I've had a wonderful time hunting here well, tons I'm, of opportunity every, every sit is like it's half it's half sit and half spot stock. Yeah, every sit is exciting. We've been seeing big bucks. Mm-hmm. Clay got a nice buck. 
Steve's book. Yeah, I could tell if, if like, <laughs> whatever happens tonight. If we had another day, I'd have no doubt we'd get one. We're probably going to go get one right now. Yeah. We got an evening left. Did the wind let Bottom down? Bottom of the ninth. Uh, oh, no. kind of kind of picked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, t- Jordan, tell everybody how to find you again. We told them how to find you before. Yeah. Uh, runningwaterhunting.com is probably the easiest. And uh, all my contact info is on there. You can kind of get the layout of what we offer. Hunt turks, hunt whitetails. Yeah, turkeys, whitetails, like very limited amounts of mule deer. Elk, it sounds like. If you're a Nebraska resident, elk. And you're one of the the lucky few, one of the chosen few. You'd do it again? You're feeling cocky about it now that you killed that huge bull. (laughs) I would do it again. I would only do like one. You'd do one one elk hunter. Yeah, maybe. Depends if you have elk. If the landowner, yeah. If we like drew, somebody drew a landowner tag, we probably wouldn't take anybody. Oh, really? So you're strict about it? Yeah. Now. You play yeah. Pre- you play pretty conservative. I think so. Like I, there's there's some other outfitters that have taken like a lot of elk hunters, and I heard this year that they were having trouble finding the size, and I think that's from a lot of numbers. Got it. I think even deer and stuff should be, uh, if we're not going to put like a size restriction in, like a, a lot of guys are doing like. We're not going to shoot a deer under 140 type of a management style. Like, I think if you don't do something like that, you got to be kind of conservative on how many people you take. Got it. Well, we could have killed an elk if if we'd have been been hunting elk this week. I mean, we had elk that we could have made a play on Mm -hmm. on Jordan's land. Just to say, I mean, like this one little sector of calendar, because those elk that we saw the other day, yeah, yeah, they were coming right through. I mean, I, I. I'm not saying it would have been easy, but we could have. We just seen elk. We could have got. It's on. cool to be looking out and see all those bison, and here comes a herd of elk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really was so <laughs> yeah, weird. That's pretty sweet. All righty, we better go. Yeah, got to boot shoot up. A deer. I got to take my pajamas back off again. <laughs> <laughs> my regular clothes back on. We're gonna go. Yeah, get a big Bot- box. Big box. Jordan, thank you for thank you guys. Us. Oh it's been yeah, awesome. you guys, this has been great. Thank you man. so much. This has been great. Really has. People, been people can't. People guys. don't know it right now. But we're all sitting in Lazy Boys. Yeah. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say something about the live, this farmhouse. It's really neat where you keep people. This yeah. this farmhouse. It feels like you're in someone's home. Small. Yeah. It's it's great. Cozy. What do you think about all that, Lauren? Take it. It's been great. Yeah. Appreciate it. He doesn't yeah, have a Lazy Boy. Coming. No Lazy Boy. Still cozy though. Cozy. A lot of Western art hanging in here, which has got me like, Ooh. I feel like I'm going to go deep on. This year, I asked my wife for Christmas to get me, a, I want a frame, I told her right where I'm going to put it, in the bedroom, I want a framed print of C.M. Russell's The Free Trappers. And I was going to be like, and that'll be the end of it. It'll be the end of it. But now I've found another one, Following the River <laughs> by Robert Duncan. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go talk to her and be like, listen. Two requests. That wall. (laughs) (laughs) For Valentine's Day. (laughs) For Valentine's Day. I need Following the River by Robert Duncan. It's a good painting. All right, guys. Thanks so much.
Montana Casting Company is a performance fly rod and reel company based right here in our capital, Helena, Montana. Each model of fly rod is a tribute to Montana's rugged beauty and adventurous spirit. Their rods capture the look, feel, and craftsmanship of a custom-built fly rod. Scott personally calls every customer who buys one of his rods. Head to montanacastingco.com and use code MEATEATER20 at checkout for a one-time 20% off discount. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. 